Hi everyone, Robbie here. I'm pleased to announce my ninth novel, What Dwells Beneath the Waves, is now available for pre-order. Here is a short description. Deep below the water, something waits. Journalist Moira Bell is in the Florida Keys to cover climate change, but her investigation soon reveals a series of unreported disappearances on Blackwell Key. Disappearance is noteworthy only because of the missing people always come back. Come back as something else. Moira ties disappearances to Butch Blackwell, chief of police and the direct descendant of the original settler Blackwell Key. He's hiding something on his private island just offshore. With a massive hurricane approaching, Moira has little time. When Moira sneaks her way onto his island, she finds a dark obelisk, a bloody ritual, worship of something beyond our world, something long asleep. Moira must stop Butch before he awakens something that will undo the earth. What Dwells Beneath the Waves is available for pre-order now on Amazon in both print and Kindle. Links can be found in the description. Links can be found in the show notes at my website or by searching my name on Amazon itself. It's Carl Hyacin meets H.P. Lovecraft. I'd love for you to check it out. Hi, everybody. This is The Simpson Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I'm fantastic, Robert. I'm ready to talk about therapy and many uses of, none of which is teaching children to sing and exploiting them for monster trucks. Okay. Well, that I mean, okay, one, good job. You did manage to bring in both of the plots in the episode mm -hmm. into the intro. So that's something. Um, oh, what this episode could have been versus versus what it is. Hello, friends. We are brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpson Show for only $2 a month. You gain access to a bunch of bonus material, a bunch of probably 10, I'm going to say 10 million hours of bonus podcasts. That, that, that much. 10 million hours. You will not, you cannot live your entire life and have enough time to listen to it all. There's so much. For only $2. It's early in the month. It's a perfect time to subscribe. Hard sell. That's true. If if you like listen to us blather on and on and on, got a long car trip coming up. My goodness. No, 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 no. It's all very, right very entertaining. We're very smart, very smart people. It's all very entertaining, very funny, very uh, insightful. If the world is getting you down, go listen to the Golden Years episodes where we just no, uh, no, effusively no, heap praise no, on everything. No, um, no, I would say listen to the darkest episode. Go back and listen to our worst episodes that I think will be. That's the right move we're looking for in the holiday season. Uh -huh. This week's episode, another another banger, Matt. Just season 18 is knocking them out of the park. Uh, Yokel Chords, episode JABF09, originally aired March 4th, 2007. Written by Michael Price, directed by Susie Dieter. Received a 5.3 rating with 9 million viewers. The couch gag. The couch is replaced by a vending machine filled with secondary characters and the Simpsons family. Ralph. Wiggum presses a button and grabs, gets a Homer figurine and then bites his head off, which I believe this is a repeat from earlier in this season. Still good. It's, still decent. It's still a decent couch gag. I, I like it. Yeah. 
Um, this episode has a huge amount of guest stars. Meg Ryan as Dr. Swanson. Um, she's fine, even though it's not really identifiable as Meg Ryan. I guess her voice is not... That no, which which is fine. Uh, it seems like kind of a waste because we like when they use guest stars for semi-starring roles to really show off their talents, but it's not terrible. It's fine. She doesn't play herself. She's not playing herself. Yeah. <laughs> which is the rest of them, which is Andy Dick as himself, James Patterson as himself, Stephen Sondheim as himself. And to be fair, Peter Bogdanovich is in this as a psychiatrist to Dr. Swanson, the second psychiatrist in the episode. Hey, even psychiatrists need psychiatrists. I therapist therapy. Being a therapist is a very stressful job. I know that. Um, okay, this episode, what it could have been. That's all I. That's my. That's my. That's gonna be my. I know, right? That's gonna be my my the theme of this entire podcast, man. Is what could this have been the potential, and then what it turns into? Okay, so even just the Bart plot is could have an advantage. Even the Lisa plot could have had potential if they had not decided to be mean to people but that's not how simpsons writers work i don't i i i i, I this i'm just baffled this one i'm frustrated and i'm baffled by this i have no idea why on earth like okay we'll get there so this episode starts with marge having a fantasy a dream uh, she's dreaming of james patterson the, the writer Bobby, have you ever read a james patterson book no i have i don't i those are the books i look at the, at the i go i envy james patterson because he's a gajillionaire and he doesn't even write his books anymore uh-huh i mean literally he and he he acknowledges this like here is a spoilers for anyone who likes james patterson nothing wrong with him uh when he actually does has written his books in the past but a lot of his books now you'll see Big letters, James Patterson, bigger than the title. Like it's I, I design here. I, I design my own print novels. I'm a self-published author. I have to do everything. I don't want to pay anyone to do something I could do myself. I design my own print novels. Um, I don't design the covers because I'm not a good artist. But you can clearly see what sells James Patterson novels. It's his name because big letters, James Patterson, biggest thing on the cover. Then the second biggest thing, the title. Also, big letters. Third biggest thing, whatever the image is behind everything, it's probably like the picture of a, a picture of a beach with a knife, that, or something like that. That's like usually that's oh what boy, it is. That sounds like fun. I mean, it, they're all thrillers, so they're all have like they'll have something that you think of as a thriller cover. And then the fourth, the and the smallest thing, the fourth biggest thing, is a second name. And it's some it's a name you probably don't recognize because it is the person who actually wrote the book. Uh, the story is by James Patterson and the actual writing is by this. They're not a ghostwriter because their name is credited and they probably get paid pretty decent money. So I'm not going to take I'm, I would probably offer I would take the job if James Patterson offered it to me, probably probably for whatever decent money they make. Um but that's the person who's actually writing those James Patterson novels. It's that second name, the, the smallest one, probably usually the bottom. Um, this is probably, I think this is still back when James Patterson was still writing his own novels. When he only released one a year and not five a year <laughs> that someone else writes. <laughs> I mean, they sell millions of copies still. And they, I, I would kill to be on the, sh- to be on the shelf at Walmart or Target, which is where James Patterson novels still are. We, and this is, a, I, I don't mind, like, Frankly, Matt, here, 
these first couple acts are not perfect mm-hmm. by any means. There's lots of problems and problematic things in them, but they're not bad. They have promise. They have potential. So that's I'm going to say it right off the bat. Like this Marge mm-hmm. bit with her dreaming about James Patterson, not that crazy. We've seen this before with like, uh, like a uh, who is it? Um, million, uh, six million dollar man. Uh, what's his real name? <laughs> not his character. Steve Austin. Steve Austin is the name of the character, man. I'm thinking of the actor. Uh, I'll tell you, and Lee Majors, six million dollar man. Um, you know, Marge has often fantasized about you know sometimes strange men things non-normal like heartthrobs and i think that's charming and i think this is charming you know i don't mind this honestly it's weird but it's weird that i can get behind um but she has a dream about james patterson she wakes up to find uh she's panicking because oh no i'm not gonna be able to take care of the kids i need to get them at breakfast i need to get them up and running no one else can do it uh we find out homer did it uh very poorly um, Lisa and we cut to Lisa and Bart on the on the bus and they're looking after lunches. Lisa got a drawing of a sandwich, which it feels like that's like a pretty good drawing of a sandwich. You'd think Homer could make a sandwich in the time. It's right. And the, the problem is that you, you see that and you're like, oh, uh, you could have made a real sandwich in that time. Yeah, that's a pretty good man. Unless Homer's like an incredible artist and we don't realize it. Um, but Bart only has grandpa's pills. Um, which, and we cut to have a, like, this is the thing is like some of these cutaway, ga- cutaway gags do not work. Um, like grandpa suddenly driving the old person bus. Yeah. That was real weird. It's just odd. Like, it's not that it's bad. I guess it's just odd. It's not really funny. Um, but Lisa and Bart have no lunches effectively. Um, and Bart obviously wants to eat. So he comes up with a, a plan, a plan to get the lunch he needs or the lunch he wants and it starts with telling the story of dark stanley unless i scare one up hey guys remember to stick together today is the anniversary of the dark stanley murders tell us all you know all right imagine i'm holding a flashlight under my face (gasps) years ago stanley DeGroot was a cook here at the school All the kids made fun of him because he never graduated from college. Stanley, Stanley, no degree. Two credits short at MIT. (laughs) One day, Stanley picked up a cleaver and put a new entree on the menu. A delectable little dish called Kids Head Soup. (laughs) Needs more girl. (laughs) What happened to Dark Stanley? They hanged him for murder and buried him in an unmarked grave. When they came back the next day, the whole cemetery was missing. not to think about it it's quite the story i would also like to point out that the animation for this is absolutely incredible they very did a good. fantastic job very very good it's edward gory-esque again uh, we just saw this in a new trails of horror uh episode um 
This is reminiscent of that, reminiscent of Edward Gorey. Uh, the music is great. It is, uh, uh, it's called Sweet Punta del Esta, is the song by Argentine composer Astor Piazzolla. Uh, it's really good. Really works really well with that story Bart is telling. And this is a nice little construction they've given us to begin the episode because it uh, kind of sets Bart up for that particular bit of mischief. This feels much like, you know, fireworks in the toilets, the big megaphone prank. It feels something like that, which will get a plot rolling. And when this inciting incident is really interesting and looks really great like this does, the animation is wonderful. I don't mind it. It, were, it it becomes a, a a nice part of a story. Um, Dark Stanley grows throughout the day. We cut to that stuff. Like here's there, here here Matt. I talk about it all the time. Supporting your plots. This is support. They cut to the the boys. They they cut to the bullies talking about Dark Stanley. They cut to different kids talking about basically building up the story of Millhouse and the playground. Building up the story of Dark Stanley, this person that doesn't exist. I guess. Um, which we're we going because yeah, we'll talk about that. At the, end. Uh, the third act. Oh boy. Uh, it makes me oh so angry. Um, so Bart has invented this scary character and the myth is growing just throughout one school day. And it, it, we build and build and build until uh, lunchtime when Bart is now basically like springing his plot where, he is building up about the story of Dark Stanley. He pretends to be he he has an elaborate system here where he turns the lights off and then pretends to be dead. Scares everyone out of the cafeteria. And he gets the the pick of food he wants for lunch. Nice. And this is a, like I cannot. It's bits like this where you go like I know they can do it. This takes what four minutes, five minutes. Yeah, and it sets up a wonderful plot going forward of, oh, Bart is obviously going to get in trouble for this. Yeah, but it's like, it, but it has, like, hey, A, introduction of idea, ideas, B, build and support of those ideas, C, climax and realization in the span of five minutes. Like, I know you can do it, Simpsons writers. You just did it. And then all the ki- we get, and then we get to see the fallout. Kids rampage through the school, terrified because they just saw, you know, Bart dead. He faked having spaghetti on his head that looks like his brain's falling out, which is another good visual, um, which I would say that's credit to Susie Dieter, director. That's 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 her work. Um, kids rampage through the school, knock over Skinner and Superintendent Chalmers, who are coincidentally carrying Chalmers antique cologne bottle collection, which Again, that's you fun, unique, dumb thing that I that gives us stakes, that gives a reason why they would want to punish Bart. All that makes sense. Uh, Bart walks out after everything's been destroyed. Kids are gone. Um, Skinner immediately blames him. And that's when we roll into the... I don't know to call it the A plot or not. It is one of the plots. Uh, there, there's, it's the one that the title refers to. Yes. I would call it the A plot. One, because I like it way more than the B-plot, um, but it doesn't. They get, I would say, roughly the same amount of time because then we kind of roll into what is the B-plot because the kids are loose. I don't know how far they could run in the span of five minutes, but we, again, when I say this episode, the, these plot, these first couple acts aren't perfect. Here's one where an extended bit of Willie 
retrieving children. <laughs> what, what is this? I don't know. I mean, it, it's a long sequence that just confuses me because it's just Willie doing wacky things. And I'm like, you couldn't have used this to expand on either plot. Yeah, it's just Willie like catching kids. And you're like, I, this is not. It feels, and these are the, when it's like, oh, this feels like filler. This is a montage that doesn't need to be here because it's not particularly funny. It feels just like, oh, we have some time. Let's put some cartoon gags in here. Um, but it's Willie wrangling kid children for a minute or something. Um, but then the kids come back and we find out that, you know, that, you know, Skinner and Chalmers wants them to go back to class, but then there are extra kids and they don't know what to do with them. And then Lisa intervenes. All right, you heard him. Back to class. But we don't go to school. But you do live in the district. That's right. We homeschool them. I teach the big ones, and the big ones teach the little ones. But no one ever taught me, which makes the whole thing just an exercise in futility. Uh-huh. Skinner, what is going on here? Sir, if we let these hill folk into our school, our test scores would drop so low we'd lose all federal funding. I see. And we've already lost state, county, and local funding. Plus, our last bake sale was a disaster. People took bites without buying the cookies. Yes, we're not very good at anything. Excuse me? Lisa Simpson with the school paper. Am I to understand you're purposely denying education to these children? That's a total Well, I wouldn't, uh, uh, I mean, that is you to know, say, uh, any You see, the thing you. is, I warn you, young lady, we can fum for all day. We, um, see, it's not that we, what, um, uh, you, just, you're uh, not, uh, grasping um, the, no, the, 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 the... You haven't heard the last of this. Well, I think we've heard the last of this. No, you haven't. We're gonna have to give this some thought. Well, let's sing while we think. It'll make it more fun for everyone. How do we gag a blabbermouth like Lisa? How do we crush her First Amendment rights? How do we stop her riding up what she saw? Would she shut her trap for a gift card from the Gap? She might. Oh, how do we stop a royal pain like Lisa? How do we make Miss Wright just less uptight? You have a lovely voice, sir. Why do you have to make everything weird? I appreciate a good song. You know me, Robbie. I enjoy musicals. I I like a good song. This one is entirely pointless. (laughs) It is. I mean, I will add that they do multiple sound of me. I think this is, you know, how do you solve a problem like Maria? I think that's what this is referencing. That's, th- that's yeah, but this whole episode has a lot of songs from Sound of Music. It has a lot of Sound of Music references. I, I, but the fact that I'm going like, I think that's what this is referencing does not bode well for the song because you're like, I guess that's, it seems like that's what it's referencing, but it's not really nearly as tight as any of the Sound of Music songs, and you're just like, <laughs> it doesn't like the melody isn't there, uh, and especially when you compare it to when we just listened to that beautiful. Uh, composition by from from uh, from Astor Piazzolla with the Dark Stanley story. You're like, oh, that's really moody and evocative, and this is just kind of like very bland. Um, but here, I'm going to say this, Matt. Uh, again, I'm going to be trying to be as fair as possible. Up into this point, I am not against. Like, I think we are kind of on the record in saying like Cletus is basically a dead end character. Well, yeah, I mean, he is a one-note joke that somebody thought was funny at one point, and they pull him in whenever they want to make fun of 
as Skinner calls them, hill people. Hill and people. so when you try and focus more, uh, you know, attention on them, you either have to develop the character or, you know, it, it's complete waste. And they just don't seem to want to actually take the time to make him a real character. Yes. And I, and at this point, I don't know, like they've even in the current season, season 32, 33, they're trying to do that. And they're mostly failing, like because they've never tried because he's always just been that joke character. And this episode is no exception. However, I'm going to say this. His kids could be a completely different story. They could be they are they could be here. I'm not going to say they are, but they could be free of all the baggage that Cletus carries. You could easily just start, and because they've made the joke so many times of how many kids the Cle- the, the Spucklers have, you could easily just, in this episode, for example, give us some new kids that we've never met before, or just been in the background, and let them develop a character with Lisa. Being with Lisa, which is what where this episode goes, is gives Lisa like some responsibility over these children, you could have Lisa get closer to one or more of these children, give them some personality, give them some character, build them up, and make them not a joke. Like Cletus, Brandon, jokes, not real characters. You could get, make their kids exceptions, though, easily. Um, I, I think yeah, and one of the easiest ways is to have less of the dang kids. <laughs> okay, so... Um, we're about to get to him at about to the <laughs> about to get to the kids. So uh, we got a commercial at seven minutes and sixteen seconds. There's potential here. There's Bart. Bart, Bart is being sent to therapy. Lisa is going to keep on top of these kids. Potential here. Commercial. There is, but unfortunately, it's almost immediately squandered. What? Um, no, Matt. Yeah, sorry, Robbie. I, I I know you stopped watching right about here and just oh, kind of guessed be, on the rest of the episode. That would but be unfortunately, great. <laughs> uh, we start by having uh, Lisa bought off by Skinner and Chalmers by making her the Spucklers' tutor, uh, and and more song, of course. You asked to see me, Lisa. Would you consider tutoring Cletus's children? You'll be happy, they'll be happy, and I can go home and enjoy some delicious fondue. Made with the fondue set I bought you for Christmas? Now, so what do you say, Lisa? Me? A tutor? The hillbilly tykes will become my tooties. Hey, kids, the plow mule done burst a girl critter. Youngins, this here girl has come from Fairyland to school, y'all. Now, if you need me, I'll be on the porch drinking Thompson's water seal. My name's Lisa. What are your names? Whitney. Jitney. W. Incest. Crystal Math. International Harvester. Birthday. Oh, are we going to do this much work every day? You know what, Robbie? I'm done. I'm going to stop this episode <laughs> right here and go take a nap because I'm exhausted. Just like that child being tired of doing the work, I'm already exhausted. I just, oh, you got Cletus singing, talking about drinking Thompson's water seal. You've got the kids being named the stupidest things ever. I This is what I'm talking about, Matt. Like, potential. Any, any way that we could connect to any of these kids... 
is they and and this is not the only time this happens. I've talked about it before, but it feels like they just I I don't know if they're they don't care. I guess they don't care, but you would have to think that they know they're undercutting themselves when they name a child, I literally name a kid incest. Like mm. I don't want like some of these names, like naming a kid birthday. That's not bad. Like, that's not a bad, like, gag name for one of these kids. Birthdays, like, there's way more absurd names real people have given their kids. So birthday isn't bad. True. And, it and like, you could easily, I, I, like, the way I think about it in my mind, I go, could I grow attached to a kid na- this na- with these names? Like, that's the thing. Like, could if they spent if this episode spent a little time with them and Lisa had some bond Lisa does have bonding moments with them when she takes them into town and they see culture for the first time. So there's that. But like but when she has to talk to them and they're one of the kids' name is incest, like I'm immediately like, oh, this is not this is just this, like it's the lowest hanging of fruit. Incest like I frankly, I would I'll let W slide. I'll let birthday slide. I'll even mm-hmm. let International Harvester slide. Yeah, I don't get that joke. It's the name of a farm equipment. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. That's all. I'm, I thought there might be something else. I think it. that's it. I don't. That's. I don't think there's. I don't. I don't. Yeah, there's. It's an American manufacturer of farm equipment. I think that's all it is. It's just named. He's named after a, a plow, Matt. That's the joke. They named him okay. after a, okay. a, a a barn, a, 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 a field equipment. But in Jitney, I'll even like Whitney and Jitney. OK, they rhyme. People name their kids after rhyming names all the time. They don't make any sense. That's fine. But when you name a kid incest, you name a kid crystal meth, like those are real. That's really low hanging, stereotypical, offensive kind of jokes. And you can make it's not that you can't make those jokes with Cletus like I don't know. Incest is kind of, I'm kind of tired of the incest jokes. That's largely my problem with it. Not that you could never do it. The crystal meth jokes. Sure. You can make meth jokes with Cletus. That's fine. But when you name one of these kids, meth, that's, that's like, Oh, I can't care about these kids anymore. I'm not their joke. Their joke character is much like Cletus is a joke character. And this B plot revolves around the idea that we care about them we need to care about these kids for this b plot to mean anything to get invested i'm I'm taking this episode with what it's giving me and it wants us to get invested in what's happening these kids because lisa's invested in what happens to these kids but because they name their kids meth i don't really care like think back to um what's the name of this episode where with the the octuplets um with the and manjula Um, oh god um it's not eight is enough. I know that much. <laughs> whatever the whatever the name of the episode is, I'm sure people are yelling at their phones. That's fine. Um, they those kids are given real names, like they're 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 they don't have joke names. The joke names are given to them after the fact to be in the show. You know that that's the point. Like oh, they have real names, but then they are taken away and. That's the thing with these kids is like they don't have like when you name a kid incest like oh well what is, what are they what do, do people just call them incest like they walk around they go to they talk to people and they're like hey incest is that what happens like I can't take that seriously okay no no and like I'm gonna say this again potential there there are so many themes 
so mm-hmm. like that because that's what I come back around to. The bar plot in this, it's not executed incredibly well, especially as we get closer to the end of the episode. But I know what it's about, and it frankly doesn't do a terrible job about it, about what it's trying to say. Sometimes it messes up, and but I know what it's about, or what at least what it's trying. I have no idea what this the Spuckler Kid plot is about because it undermines itself at every step along the way. But there's a lot of potential here because you could easily like one. Okay, these kids are left out of the school system because they would they they would fail standardized testing. That this is what we're told. They would fail standardized testing and hurt the, the school's funding. Okay, that's interesting. That's something. Oh, schools lose funding because the kids aren't smart enough to pass these tests. But we can't educate the kids to pass the test because they would fail the tests and therefore cost the school's funding. And there's this, you know, circular logic that fails children in the real world. That is something you could talk about in the Simpsons or two. Hey, these kids are the product of like this Southern stereotype family, obviously poorly educated by their own parents. Lisa wants to try and provide for them, but ultimately she can't bring she can't be their new parents and she like there's nothing she can do like that is another thing you could explore you could explore how not just these kids but everyone are in a lot of ways inextricable from the culture they come up in and there's only so much you can do to bring them out of it and sometimes in some cases you can't do anything and that like that may be like kind of a bummer of an ending but Lisa is the perfect character to kind of capture bummers of an ending she's that that's what she's there for unfortunately um that's two things that you could explore and i feel like, and I, and there's even parts Matt, where i go like is that what they're doing like oh that's fun oh that's interesting like this whole the stuff with the the, the education and then then they go into the town like that stuff's there's there's stuff there like i'm not i'm not upset at it like obviously their names are terrible and the cleas jokes are usually tired but there's stuff you could do and then they just I, they make that noise <laughs> they do they do make that noise and it just uh, they they could have done lots of things like you said uh, they could have just explored at the very least how the educational system has failed these kids and what lisa is going to do to fix it and then maybe in the future we could see these kids in the school Maybe, or maybe Cletus keeps them out for personal reasons. But no, we are. We don't. They don't. But they don't settle on. Yeah, like that's the thing. They don't do either of those things. Right. They don't do anything besides say, "Hey, isn't it fun to laugh at hillbillies?" So, moving along, uh, we go back to Bart's plot, uh, where because of what Blart Bart. Yes, Blart. Paul (laughs) Blart has decided to pop into the. Oh no! I didn't think it'd get worse, Matt. But it's coming, Robbie. It's coming. (laughs) Oh no. Anyway, uh, Bart gets five therapy sessions uh, paid for by the school uh, because, you know, of the horrible things he said about Dark Stanley. They decided that requires counseling, uh, despite the fact that all the horrible things that Bart has done before. But whatever. Uh, So Homer picks a therapist based on its closeness to a Chinese restaurant he likes to get drunk at. Uh, So Homer drops Bart off at the therapist's office and then goes next door to get drunk from a couple of perfectly, you know, normal English speaking, uh, you know, normal, I shouldn't say normal speaking, but perfectly American accented, uh, Chinese American people, uh, who put on this horribly, I guess, racist accent and act for Homer because he likes it to be authentic, uh, and they get him drunk. And honestly, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Favorite part of the episode is these people taking advantage of Homer. 
Uh, I really enjoy the therapy stuff, but the fact that these people put on this horrible act and get Homer drunk and steal his wallet is one of the funniest things the Simpsons have done in a long time to me. I mean, I think that this is how you do it. Like we talk about their the the, the racist stuff, the very casual racist things that the Simpsons have done recently in these past couple seasons. This is the and like then they go like they do racist thing, then they lampshade the racist thing and say and like to make it like it's okay if we do it. This is how you do that correctly. You have yes. you show them we see them before Homer ever interacts with them behaving like they like they have lives, they're people, they have thoughts and feelings, and sure it's not it's momentary and it, but it's revealed like, oh, no, they aren't. They're normal folk. And then they see Homer and they go, oh, he's our, he's a mark. We can take advantage of this dumb white guy. And then they put on this racist behavior to steal from him effectively to make him spend more money at their restaurant. That's real. And that and that effectively demonstrates the the kind of absurdity of these racist stereotypes that like if that's what your goal is on this television program on top of everything else is to hey we're going to actually show how these racist stereotypes how stupid they are that's how you do it you don't do it Mm -hmm. by using it to make a joke and then making fun of it you do this this is like that i'm not super hard on this episode because there's scenes like this where it's like oh this is actually how you lamp say lampshade racist stereotypes this this little little what it takes a little what 20 seconds yeah it's super short but it's it's just interesting yes it comes down to it's it's a bright spot it is uh so what we're gonna do now is we're going to bart with his therapist um who it will turn out is a good therapist a surprisingly good one uh but she starts out uh you know just kind of working her way in there very slowly bart my name is dr swanson stop right there doc this school has sent me to more therapists than you've had bad dates. I've looked at the ink blots. I played with the puppets. The whole racket's a hat full of crap. I see. Well, I get paid whether you make progress or not. Why don't we just kill the time playing video games? Yeah, right. I bet you got a bunch of learning games. Why don't you go online and look for a boyfriend while I take a nap? Actually, I just got Death Kill City 2. Death Kill Stories. Whoa! You've got DKC2 DKS? That one's rated bad for everyone. You have destroyed all human life on Earth. Level one complete. (laughs) Yes! So, yes, as we see, uh, Bart gets to do what he always wanted to do, which is destroy the Earth. Uh, And uh, this is a a way that's often used to get in with with children to get them to trust you is to spend time with them. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of people just want to be able to, like, press a button and you know, get kids to trust them, but it takes a lot of time. And we can see that this therapist is actually doing a good job. It's almost like somebody out went out and researched what does actual child therapy consist of? Uh, because this is a 20 minute uh, television show, um, we don't get to see that take as long as it actually should, but you know, it's, it, there's a nod to how it actually works. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Lisa starts by teaching the Spuckler children about veto overrides, which Okay, uh, very quickly she learns that that is um, not the best place to start because the kids have no exposure to anything outside of their home and have basically been taught nothing. 
So she decides to take the kids uh, to the city uh, for a quick tour of what's going on uh, and show them that, oh, there is more to the world than you realize. Uh, meanwhile, we after we find out that that's what she's going to do, it's maybe a minute, we go back to Bart with more therapy. And lastly, I need a noun. Booger. Read it back, read it back. The county fair is always sucky to visit on a hot summer fart. You can eat delicious cotton hate and ride the Ferris burp and the merry-go booger. <laughs> oh, you can't make that stuff up. What does this tell you, Bart? That this is one terrible county fair. And? And my dad never takes me on the merry-go booger. He's always passed out in the parking snot. He's lying! Well, you drink too many scorpion ball. You go sleepy, sleepy now. <laughs> did you, uh, did you get his wallet? Every president has a word balloon that says, I am gay. So, yes, uh, we get Bart have a spontaneous breakthrough. Um, and again, it's it's sad because if this plot got more time, uh, we could see Bart have, uh, you know, I don't want to say this, it come more organically. But basically, yes, we see Bart is starting to make breakthroughs. Uh, while, you know, not thinking about the fact that he's in therapy. We also see Homer get wrecked again, which, again, <laughs> really funny. I hear another strength of this. Uh, this is a, a, a thing we've said multiple times now during this season, whenever it happens, but there's very little Homer in this episode. So it's it's better by default. <laughs> this, there's less Homer. Like, there, he's around the edges, but there, he doesn't dominate the episode. So immediately the episode gets better just by that. It doesn't make it good, but it, it gets better than awful because Homer is just, he has so little influence on the plot. He's just around there, he, and he gets beat up by some people. Like You know, it's random Homer stuff. But it doesn't take over the episode. I don't like that. Like, yeah, this is just suddenly out of the blue. Bart has a breakthrough playing Mad Libs of all things. I get what they're doing, Matt. Like, I get it. Like, it's he has like, I think that's the thing. Like, if they just establish it a little bit better, because it's like, oh, they do set up the idea of like, oh, he has five sessions that are free. And then obviously he has no more sessions and it's probably too expensive for the Simpsons. But you know, there's the problem like, well, who, why do the Simpsons care about money? They haven't cared about money in 10 years. You know, they care about it when it's convenient for the plot, but it's never really been a big issue since, you know, season five, probably it's probably been more than 10 years, but um, there is like, we people know that, you know, paying for a therapist is expensive and the Simpsons theoretically couldn't afford it regularly. And so, okay, there's, that's like a clock. He has five sessions. We need to figure out what's, if anything is wrong with Bart, blah, 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 blah. And I, I, well, this is them taking a shortcut to get there. You know, like I, you know, we don't see every session. We don't see the, every moment. Um, It's clear that they are about to run out, you know? So they're just saying like, oh yeah, time has progressed. He keeps going back to this, this therapist. She's playing games with him, becoming his friend. And, is able to pull this information from him. They just show it in this case by doing Mad Libs. And I don't, unless you do give it the, basically the entire episode and no B plot, I really don't see how they'd have a, enough time for development, which maybe they should have just given it to, they just should have had an over, like give Bart the A plot and give him like 18 minutes or something, you know, without a much of a B plot or something like that. Yeah, I mean, make the entire B-plot Homer getting rolled by these uh, Chinese restaurant owners over and over again. 
I could do that. I mean, you you could get four or five minutes out of that easily and spend the rest of the time with Mark getting therapy. Oh, uh, um, man, you're suggesting we bring more Homer in in season 18? It's a weird thought, but as long as Homer is being taken advantage of by other people, yeah, sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, we have seen that Bart has had a breakthrough in therapy. Um, so we're feeling good. We're like, oh, yes, this is a good Bart plot where Bart is making breakthroughs about how his feelings. So let's go back to ruining the time with um, uh, Lisa and this Buckler children. And eventually, uh, the worst thing of all, Krusty. Mistos and lattes and grandes and ventis Browsing at bookstores with fat cognoscentes Books about Duddy, Deca, and Miro Those are the folks that you yokels should know Pretentious laughs have filled well retrospectives Outsider art made by mental defectives Enjoying Opry that ain't grand or old Jim Carrey to Dario Fo. Your minds are opening. Take it home. Eating tapas. Freestyle rappers. Mr. Skinner is mame. We find the experience cultural things and now they don't seem so lame. What a number. You kids got talent, and I should know. I used to have it. Hey, you're one of those funny people with a big, crazy nose. A clown? No, a j- Joker! That's right. And I'm not a practicing joker, so I'm not that offended. <laughs> well, it's nice to see you again, Krusty, but these kids have field trip journals to write. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Who's your agent? What's an agent? Ka-ching! <laughs> Finally, I get a chance to use these gag contact lenses. So, yes. Um, thankfully, we're able to cut off the anti-Semitism, and it's never brought up again. Um, but, you know. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, we get to see the, these Buckler kids have basically been pulled into Krusty's world uh, because of their great song. Uh, never mind Lisa also singing really well, but, you know, whatever. Uh, we then swap back to Bart. Uh, with the therapy and it turns out he's in his last session uh, his sessions are the five sessions he got for free from the school are over and obviously uh, the family can't afford them uh, Bart is upset about this uh, but you know there's there's not a whole lot that they can do uh, and that's where the Bart plot ends for now um, instead we go back to Lisa uh, where Krusty hires the kids uh, he brings Cletus in as their guardian and pays him scale, which is, I'm pretty sure, the lowest you're allowed to pay somebody, uh, which Krusty makes out to be the normal amount someone has paid. And Cletus pretends to read the contract and signs it over. And now the kids are basically owned by Krusty and have to do whatever he says. What is this? I don't know. Is what I'm, I'm trying to figure out what their thought was when they got into this. And they were saying, okay we need to make this funny somehow. We're going to have Krusty hire the kids and they're going to start a singing troupe. And my guess is this episode possibly started as a sound of music spoof. And because of that, this is the point where the kids get together and start singing songs. And they were like, well, how do we make that happen for real? And, Oh, they're discovered by Krusty and we can make some uh, entertainment industry jokes and, you know, some dig at the industry we work in. Um, doesn't happen in Sound of Music, but okay, I guess we're just going to go with that. Um, but 
it's not that funny and it's just kind of mean at this point and it leads us to a whole bunch of tangents that go nowhere i like it's not it the i like i i literally this is befuddling is i'm so go i'm so confused by this like we are introduced to these kids and lisa cares about them in the first place because they can't get educated they can't get an education from a public school system for a variety of reasons so lisa is going to tutor them and they certainly have sound music songs but this does not really other than it is a group of children and a a a a, a woman i guess like caretaker there's Basically, no other there's no know. there's no other comparison there's no other comparison points like they're not wealthy you know that that's part they're not they're not like a wealthy isolated family they there's no personal relationship you know, Leah, Cletus basically disappears. Uh, I would also point out that I think at this point, uh, at a certain point in this act, Matt, I don't know when it was, we see Cletus just hanging a raccoon. Yep. Put it in a noose, hanging it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to throw that in there. But like, just had a, we had, to, they couldn't cut to anything, but they cut to him, like, torturing an animal. Like, what is wrong with you, Simpsons writers? Why is that in this episode at all? You don't need to do that. It's not funny. I can't imagine. So, but why are they doing this? Why are they, oh, they become a troop exploited by Krusty? What? What is, Krusty has been, is, we are 14 minutes into this episode. Two-thirds of the way through this episode, over two-thirds of the way through this episode, Krusty has not been heard from, not seen at all. There has been no aspect of entertainment being important to these children at all. They don't care about that at all. Why? It feels like, to me, it feels like a complete, hard, 90-degree turn makes no sense i'm i literally put in notes why are they doing this this was going somewhere like i i'm gonna i enjoyed this them all these kids and lisa lisa showing them culture like here we're gonna show some kids who are ignorant literally with the proper use of the word ignorant people use the word ignorant a lot of the times incorrectly i feel ignorant does not mean someone who is like like angry or hard-hearted or or like mean ignorant means like literally they've never been exposed to this it is not their fault uh but because lisa shows them like and they're they are all they're like amazed surprised and excited because oh they get to see the bigger world i grew up in backwoods of florida with kids exactly like this okay i do i i like the idea of when, when lisa gives them a chance and gives them her attention and shows them a bigger world that they're, they're excited about it. They're intrigued by it. And I, the next step to me is a pushback from Cletus where Cletus goes, I don't like, I don't like what you're showing them. Blah, blah, blah. Tries to pull him back away. And Lisa tries to, there, there's the clash. There's the conflict that feels natural. It feels real. Instead, we get crusty. We get anti-Semitism jokes for whatever odd reason. Uh, yeah. we get Krusty exploiting them. Like again, I what is this? This is just that octuplet episode again, but with Krusty. Like why? Like why is this? And it takes up so much time in this episode. Uh, it makes me so upset. 
Well, Robbie, I hate to tell you, but it's going to get much, much worse before it gets better. Um, because uh, this is the point where we go back to a commercial, and now you get to talk about it. Why would you do this to me, Matt? Uh, because that's what we agreed on way back when we first started this. <laughs> that dang blood oath to Matt Greening. <laughs> um, we come back from commercial, third act, 14 minutes and 11 seconds. Uh, where I, I label this clip where the Spuckler's plot is at. Krusty, yeah. <laughs> the Spuckler kids missed their reading class today. Yeah, well, take it up with our manager. Yeah. Cletus, I think you're spending too much of the kids' earnings on yourself. That's a lie. I ain't spent their money on naught but necessities. Sir, your solid gold hound dog is here. Uh, how we get the real dog out? Isn't it hilarious? They they dipped a dog in gold. Is this again? It's just more like torture, animal torture jokes, like multiple. They just can't. How many episodes in a row, Matt, where we've got multiple like animal cruelty jokes? It's absurd. Like, what on earth are you doing? It's just not funny. I There's don't... no. I don't. I guess they think it's hilarious. So the Swaffler kids are being used by Krusty, and now. Uh, Cletus is like a, the, a corrupt manager using all their money to buy things for himself. Uh, very boring. I don't find this interesting. This is not an exciting plot. This is not an interesting way to portray these characters. Um, that's the baseline expectation I have of The Simpsons is to be entertaining. This is not. At uh, least it's sad um, about the way that we cut to them. Like sh- We see them on television with Lisa and Homer watching. Uh, Lisa's upset about it. Um, Homer is laughing, uh, making fun of these dumb, the dumb yokels, um, calls them, you know, literally is portrayed. And like, again, there's something here with the fact that like, oh, we have these poor, these poor kids with these Southern stereotypes and, uh, they are being laughed at and on purpose, like they are being portrayed as the dumb Southerner and Homer is like, oh, I'm, I'm better than them. That's the joke they're making. And that's not necessarily a bad thing to talk about, but it's not what this episode was about until literally this exact moment. <laughs> yeah, it's just at, at this point we get to see uh, basically the exploitation of people entertainment, which is something the Simpsons have been into again and again and again. And that's fine, but that should have been the whole episode then is is the kids getting involved in this and Lisa trying to save them and basically not being able to do anything because their guardian wills it to be. So hell, this could have been a Britney Spears conservatorship episode. Cause I'm pretty sure that was already going on when this episode was made, but no, this is instead foisted upon us in the third act. Yeah. And it's very sudden. Um, I am very, very tired of it already. We cut back to Bart. Um, he misses his therapist. This is very affecting to me. This is genuine. This is this works. I wish I had way more time than it gets because um, it's just we see Bart kind of suffering. You know, he misses his therapist. He misses having, frankly, he misses someone to talk to. And that's like as simple as therapy is. It's very much a lot of times it's just having someone to talk to who will listen to you. Yeah. And that there, I you can't help but have empathy for him. But then like rabbit fire back to this absurd B-plot with the Spucklers, where the kids are getting a primetime special. Uh, Krusty, here's where we get Stephen Sondheim 
writing music for them. I I don't I I don't really care about Stephen Sondheim in real life. <laughs> um, I'm he I I don't even know if I've ever actually watched any of his musicals all the way through. I know them, but I don't really care. Um, and I know he's well appreciated, well regarded. He there's nothing I don't this is not this does nothing for me. I, I can't sugarcoat this. Do you care about Stephen Sondheim, Matt? I can't say that I do. Uh, like I said, I, I enjoy musicals. I don't really care about him showing up in an episode to write music. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't. He writes a, and then he makes a joke about writing jingles instead of his normal stuff. And what is this? Like, why is this here? What does this do? Uh, Nothing. Um, but he's Stephen Sondheim shows up. He's there. Okay. Um, Lisa's upset. We go to Cletus, and he is again being this. Matt calls him Ke- Fetterlining it up because he's dressed like Ke- Kevin Federline did dress at the time. Um, I This is at the point where I put in our notes in bold. I hate every single second of this. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I It's really. Oh, I hate, I'm like, why? What is this? This is not about the kids anymore. The kids don't get any more early more time. This is about like Cletus for some reason. Why is Cletus so important now? Who cares about Cletus? Uh, this is supposed to be about Lisa and these kids and them having a relationship, but oh, it's Lisa's fighting for them. I guess we don't really see that at all. We just see some bad, like crusty joke. Like, ugh. yeah. Oh God. Okay. Okay, Matt. We find we get cut back away from the B plot, and I regain a small amount of my sanity. Uh, where we got back to Bart, he's still he's suffering, and we like we see him in his bedroom. Like talking to an empty chair, like it's really heartbreaking, honestly. And it's really, and it's also incredible tonal whiplash because the Bart stuff is really affecting, really heavy. And then we cut, and then we cut to the Spucklers, and they're singing. Bad it's, it's why music. these. It's why these two plots don't go together. And again, I know it's weird for me to be arguing for more Homer in an episode, but it's something where Homer is not the focus because. I feel like the Bart plot would pair really well with a little bit of dark humor, uh, which I feel like the, the Homer uh, sub 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 plot kind of does uh, because you, you laugh at something horrible that's happening because that's a very cathartic way to respond to what's happening on screen. And I feel like that pairs well with something that's very heavily emotional, like the Bart plot. Like it, it's going to be hard to get a lot of laughs out of Bart's plot. They did a good job with it, with the video game and then with the uh, Mad Libs. Uh, but now it's gotten really serious. It's going to be really hard to laugh at that. I mean, the best you can do is is show Bart, uh, you know, talking like he does to a therapist to, you know, uh, people who he shouldn't be doing that to, to his stuffed animal friends. Make him talk like that to Milhouse and to Milhouse get creeped out or something. Um, you, you need some more maudlin humor to, to offset that. Uh, you don't need a, a weird kids entertainment and, and ugh, not to spoil the Brandine coming back from the war. Uh, it's just it's a failure. Yeah, it, it doesn't work. Uh, and it is another and that's what's so frustrating about this episode in particular to me is that a lot of the time, like our last couple episodes, I get halfway through the first act and I go, oh, this is bad. There's no saving. There's nothing you can do for this. There's there's no 
there's like it's one of those episodes where you watch episodes and you're like, oh, we're just gonna. This is I because I when I watch episode now I'm just thinking about like what are Matt gonna I, Matt what are Matt and I gonna talk about when we while we do the episode? <laughs> are, are, you know what is what are the points of discussion going to be? Uh, how does this story work at all? Like where where could it be fixed? Where could it be tightened up? And ultimately, like a lot of the times, I go. This is a fu- this is a canon episode. We're firing this thing out of the canon in six seconds. There's not even a moment where we don't need discussion about it. Episodes nope. like this, where there's actually like solid stuff in it, you I I I go, oh, this isn't bad. Like, oh, sure, there's problems, and sure, there's like a lot of the, like even the speckler, the Cletus things, and the kids. Like, I go, like they could salvage this. Like, I don't want these episodes to be bad. I want them to make it work. And the Bart's therapy stuff is genuinely like solid, and then you're just like, oh, they bog everything down with this nonsense of the third act, and and push things off to the side, and and sidetrack things, and layer on like bad jokes on top of it, and you're just like, come on, guys, you're so close. It's not that, and like, and you see evidence that they know how to do things right sometimes, and you're just like, why can't you just do it? Mm, Just get there. And it, and you're just ah, I just want I just I want the Simpsons to be good. Um, Bart's suffering, and Marge sees this. She wants she doesn't want her son to suffer. She she re- recognizes the fact that, and this is the thing that you could use more time in and, and talk about. Another thing this could talk about is how how therapy is literally just inaccessible to a huge chunk of the population. They literally can never, will never have it because, and maybe they want it, maybe they don't, doesn't really matter. They will never be able to afford it. It is too expensive. And you could talk about that. And you don't have to talk a lot about it. You just make it a part of like, oh, you have Marge and Homer sitting at the table looking through some envelopes like we've seen a million times in the golden years, looking at bills. And, oh, we don't, it's not in the budget. We cannot afford to Bart go to therapy anymore we can't pay for bart's therapy the kid the school covered it right but we can't easy scene to write it takes a minute probably 30 seconds and gives us real world grounding into why this is such a struggle for marge because she has to tell her son no we can't afford that money i know it's helping but we can't afford it instead matt (laughs) instead instead we see marge see Bart struggling and she pays for this. She can pay for, they can pay for one more session with uh, the the doctor. And uh, you know how Marge gets that money, Matt? Oh, unfortunately I do, Robbie. Unfortunately I do. Tell the people at home. How does, how does Marge get that money? From the fund for Homer's breast reduction surgery. Why? Why? I mean, the college fund, the air conditioning fund, anything. Just I can. I mean, I can. I have an answer for you, Matt. It's not a good answer, but it is the correct answer Uh, because they think it's funny. They think that's funny in the midst of this really heavy plot with Bart. Like, like literally, we see Bart talk about, "Oh, I act up because I don't want my parents to fight." And like that's a really heavy thing for a kid to realize, and maybe I don't. It's so heavy that I don't know if it even belongs in The Simpsons, but it is a very heavy thing, regardless. 
and I'm not against it. If like if they can, maybe the Simpsons can navigate those waters if they have, the, and like they've navigated things heavier than that successfully. So maybe they can. I don't. I have no faith that season 18 can do it. But again, you got to give them rope. Uh, you got to give them a leash. You got to let them try. Um, very heavy. And like we see these heartbreaking scenes of Bart like talking to an empty chair because he wants someone to listen to him talk about his problems, and they interrupt that with this very like it's like jarring. It's just like oh oh I'm paying it with Homer's breast reduction surgery. And like it immediately jumps out. Immediately you're like oh, and in an episode full of things that immediately jump out of you, like the naming a kid incest. Uh, multiple comments Bart makes later, just in these next couple scenes, things like that. You're just like, ugh, guys, this ruins it. This you're you're making this moment worse. But here, Marge does use money, takes money, gets Bart in one additional therapy session, and we get that therapy session and a weird coda with the therapist herself. Bart, honey, this is all we can afford for now. If it doesn't work, maybe when you're an adult, you can pay some lady to make you happy for an hour. You know, I'm pretty sure I will. And it wasn't planned, so when I came, my parents had to get married. And they were too young and not ready for a kid to screw up their lives. Maybe I act out because if my parents are mad at me, they can't fight with each other. Ugh. And maybe that's why you do things like scare your classmates with Dark Stanley? Yeah, that and Stanley was the brand of hammer my dad used to hit me with. Very good. Bart, we have 20 minutes left. Is there anything else you want to talk about? You know what? I think I'm good. Oh. Oh, good. 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 Will I see you again? Anything could happen. One of these days, I might have a complete psychotic breakdown. Oh. I'd like that. I just can't stop thinking about him. Do you think maybe Bart is replacing your son, who was killed by Dark Stanley? Oh, 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 oh. I am not ready to go there. We were so close, Robbie. So, <laughs> so close. Because... The whole Stanley was the brand of hammer my dad hit me oh, with. Man. Like, oh, oh, that's that's where Why? you want to go with that, huh? Oof. Oh, okay. Um, there's that, and then it's like, it's great to show a therapist seeing a therapist. That's something that I would like to see more of because it's something that most therapists do. Because again, like you said, being a therapist is a very stressful job, and it goes to the point that everyone needs to talk to somebody about these kind of things. Uh, and then to have her talk about Dark Stanley, who we thought was made up by Bart. I, what? It's just a weird way to end it. I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, for every moment that you're like, yeah, good. All right, Bart realizing things about himself and about his family and why he acts the way he does. And then the, like the lines about, oh, that's the brand of hammer my dad has. Be-. Like, like, okay. Why? Just casually. Is that like, again, Matt. That line is there because they think it's funny. Uh huh. That that's the like that's that's what that is. That is a joke on like they think that it's funny. The same thing like oh teasing Bart might have a full psychotic breakdown. They think that's funny. Oh, we didn't even get to the part where uh, they say that oh uh, Bart tells them that, oh 
uh, one day if uh, you know maybe you'll find a you'll pay a woman to make you happy. Like oh goody, we're going to say that in the future, you know. Bart, uh, I mean, whatever. I will. There's not merit. There is certainly merit to uh, maybe bringing up the idea that a lot of sex work is actually uh, closer to work, like a therapy, Ther- a therapist yeah, would do, true. versus you know what it is often thought of as. But not here, guys. <laughs> this is not the yeah, time so or the places. place. This is not where you talk. This is not the place to bring up that idea. This is that's too. That's not a Simpsons plot, honestly. You, that's not a thing you would maybe do with a Simpsons. Maybe with like, no, like maybe with a like a supporting character. Like that's a Mo episode. Maybe you could have Mo. Maybe yeah. Before now, Mo's married. Uh, if you guys that's true, before Mo got married, that would be an interesting Mo episode. Is oh, yeah. they find out that Mo is going to see a you know sex worker, but he spends all of his time talking. Uh, that will be a very interesting situation for Mo to be in. Yeah, but now, Mo, oh, by the way, guys, if you're not paying attention to season 33 of The Simpsons, Mo is now married. Although we haven't seen the wedding yet, so let's see what happens. No, we just saw Mo ask and you know, her say yes. Yes. Um, spoilers. Again, but it's just like, okay, what? it's like two steps, it's one step forward, two steps back, or two steps forward, two steps back. It feels very much like, oh, we're getting there, and then, and so Peter, Bog- Peter Bogdanovich is playing the second therapist who does not have a name. Um, who he plays the, I believe he also, this is a reference to The Sopranos, um, because he plays a therapist to a therapist in that as well. But why, what, is Dark, is Dark Stanley real? Yeah, again, I thought Bart uh, made him up. Is that not the case? I don't know. Like, that's a, and like, I just want, like, if they think that's a joke, like, oh, we will say that he's fake, but then we'll have, like, a therapist been, had a kid murdered by Dark Stanley. You know, like, yeah, that's that's not what I, when, earlier when I listened for things to be like some dark humor, not what I was talking about. Yeah, it's very it's just odd. That's the thing where you're just like, I'm just befuddled. And I think that's it doesn't help because I'm already kind of confused by everything. And then you add this and I, I, I do they Matt, I'm going to ask this is a real question. OK, it may sound like a joke question, but this is a real question. Do the Simpsons writers at this point not want to give us a happy ending? I believe that there is a very a period of time. Well, okay. I believe there's a period of time in every young boy's life when he is he hates a happy ending because it's it's too it's not real enough for them. Uh, but and I, I appreciate a realistic ending. Uh, I, I appreciate endings where, you know, it's not really great. It's not really bad. It's not perfect, but something good happened to the characters. You can see their lives getting better. In this case, it's a sad ending for no particular reason. Just that, that oh, wouldn't it be hilarious if something bad happened to everyone? No, that's not hilarious. That's not good. Just you're, you're the Simpsons, guys. You don't have to pull like like meandering melancholy endings. Because this isn't the ending. This Bart stuff is not even the ending. Because we cut back to the, the the Spucklers, to the kids, who are still in show business. Like, we haven't really seen any development on their part. We All we know is that Lisa's upset about that, where they're, they're plight. And they're about to go on, like, a tour, I guess. I don't, like, there's no build to this. And it's all very sudden. So I don't really know why or how or what's going on. I guess they're going to be a touring troupe with Krusty or something. I don't like Krusty has a TV show. That's what Krusty does, right? Mm-hmm. Why is 
Why is he going to tour? What is going like? What Krusty is involved in entertainment. Anything, anything he thinks can make him money. Okay, I just, I, I just, I'm so confused. Man. They just like give us these facts, and like I'm supposed to just take them for granted. I'm like, I don't, I refuse, sir. I refuse. So Lisa shows up with Brandine, and thankfully, this episode ends. Stop the tour, Cletus Delroy's Buckler. What have you done to our children, Brandine? You're supposed to be in Iraq, stopping 9-11. Hey, hey, did you get the body armor I sent you? Sold it for smokes. Cletus, I had to stop you exploiting the children, so I sent her an email. My babies ain't going on no bus tour. It doesn't matter what you say. I got a contract signed by the father of these children. He's only the father of two of them. The one that can't sing and the one that can't ad-lib. No! Miss Lisa... We just want to thank you for introducing us to, then saving us from, the big wide world around us. Twank nothing. <laughs> Cletus, we're going home. How much money do we have left? Uh, I owe Krusty $12,000. We can live on that. Baby, you're the greatest. <laughs> <sighs> thank you for stopping it there. I mean, that's effectively it, man. It is, and I wish you could have stopped it earlier, but, yeah, whatever. Like, they pulled on technicalities that Cletus is only the father of two of the children, the least two talented kids. Like, that's how they get out of a contract? Is that supposed to be, like, is that supposed to make me feel good? I guess. Oh, you know, it's not because of any inherent rightness. It's just a legal loophole. That's how they got out of it. Okay, man, I'm going to ask you. Okay. What is this B-plot about? Okay, you referring to the Lisa plot or the Bart plot? The, the Lisa plot, the Spucklers. Okay, the Lisa plot, the Spucklers. It is about, um, well, let's see. Let's go over what happened in the deep plot. <laughs> uh, the Spuckler kids are kept out of school because they're so dumb they would lose funding. Not a thing that happens. Funding might get reduced because that's the way our stupid school systems work, but they wouldn't lose all funding just for bad test scores. But... Uh, that's okay with the powers that be. They're kept out of school. Lisa pokes her nose in and says, no, that's not okay. So they say, okay, Lisa, you want to be responsible for this. You're in charge of it. Again, not the way society works. Everyone is in charge of educating the children, even the people who don't have kids. Case in point, the two childless people talking right now who are happy to fund the education of children. But Lisa then goes to educate them, finds out they know nothing of the world outside their home because they've been homeschooled their whole entire lives, takes them out for one afternoon where they get swept up by the big bad world, stuck in the entertainment business where they do nothing but perform for somebody who uh, isn't paying them anything and all the money they earn is going to somebody else. And then eventually they're taken back to their uh, siloed life uh, and homeschooled. That's the plot you're referring to. I mean, I w- yeah, I guess so, yeah. But what is that? What, but I mean, what is it about, though? Nothing. Oh, you want a theme? Yeah, I want a theme, man. That's what I mean when I ask that. I, I'm hmm. sorry. I, I'll, that I don't. Is a good I, question. What is the theme of Yokel? The B plot of Yokel Chords, if there is anything at all. Oh, there isn't anything at all because they take the op- every opportunity that is given that they 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 build early with it and then throw them all away and undermine themselves and undercut themselves. I can tell you, like the A plot is almost about something. The Bart plot is, it's not quite there. It's almost there. It's almost about something. It doesn't quite get there. It, it reveals stuff about Bart's character. That is not, that doesn't necessarily mean it has a theme 
because it doesn't really use that those character developments to build anything else. It just has character growth, which isn't necessarily bad in and of itself, but I I'm of the opinion that most great art has it all. It has that character growth and it has real characters we can empathize with. It has conflict. It has moments of, of, you know, build and then in climax of denouement, blah, 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 blah. But it also has a story and it also has a th- has themes that everything works together to works together, <laughs> you know, and says a cohesive thing. And the A plot almost does. It's not quite there, but it's almost there. Um, I mean, you could maybe even, if you want to be very generous, Matt, you could say the A-plot is about how therapy is good for people. That would be a good uh, determination of this plot. Uh, unfortunately, once again, Act 3 gets weird with it. Yeah. Uh, and just... <laughs> like, they didn't have to end it with the jokes. Like, you can end, I mean, if you wanted to end whatever B-plot you ended up with, uh, with jokes, that's fine. But you could have just had, oh, uh, Bart... Um, uh, Bart goes to see the therapist and, you know, he works out a few things. If not, if you wanted to be real crass about it, you could show Bart, uh, you do a flash forward, uh, like they did when Bart was a Supreme court justice. Bart is on a date with a beautiful woman and he's talking about his relationship with Homer and Marge. And she says, that's great. Another hour will be like a hundred bucks. And that's it. You even call back to Marge's stupid thing earlier that I didn't really like. But if you wanted to have some stupid humor, there you go right there. Nothing about the Stanley being the brand of Hammer. Nothing about Dark Stanley being real. None of that stupid crap. It just, yeah. Yeah. And the B-plot is about nothing. Um, it just, it, it devolves into nonsense. Like, And you can have, this is a thing that the great Simpsons episodes do. And great art does in general. Like, You can be funny and have a theme. You can be full of gags and be about something and poke at something, even if it doesn't say a lot. You could just say a little bit. You can have a B-plot that is mostly just for jokes and still poke at, like, if we went, here, let's just do it. We'll rank this episode at the end of the show. I mean, I thought we already said that this episode was broken, but I think you said that uh, it was just we're automatically shooting out of the cannon. So, yes, Robbie, is this episode broken? Yes. No, you were right the first time with that quick fix idea. Let's see. Quick fix. Quick fix. Uh-huh. Um... Yes, it's broken. I and I think it's a very close call. Um, but I think ultimately it 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 feels like it's like one of those marathon runners that guys like those really sad uh, marathons where people like fall down like a oh, hundred yeah. meters before the before the finish line, and you're like, oh no, they didn't make it. Uh, it's just too much. Um, that's what this is. But like you said, Matt, if you take this, uh, I'm using. I was talking about B plots that are mostly just jokes, but have something. Um, and if you do that idea of like, oh, Homer just getting taken advantage of by those Chinese uh, restaurant owners over and over again, you that's something, you know? That is reinforcing the idea of like, oh, that these, you know, minority uh, business owners are live these lives where they sometimes have to indulge in racist stereotypes to make money because that is what, white Americans recognize, you know, and like, that's not a lot, but it is, is talking about it. It's introducing that topic. And then it has mostly covered up with jokes about a Homer getting hit in the head or eating a lot or drinking a lot right in Homer's wheelhouse. Those are perfect Homer jokes. Hey, he ate a lot of yeah. Chinese food. He drank a lot of beer. 
Blah, 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 blah. It's like, we, we're okay with Homer as long as he is the butt of the joke. That's what we want, because Homer is obviously a terrible person, so let's see him get some kind of comeuppance. Right. So you could do that, and the A-plot would have more time, which I think ultimately is what we would do, is give this A-plot more time to breathe, and make it more about something. Um, make it, give it energy, and like, I, I think it starts perfectly. It's perfect. That first act with Bart and the, the mischief and the and the Dark Stanley story and him ruining like that, leaning into him getting in trouble and having to go to therapy. Perfect. That's really good. Well, really well done. And then we just kind of don't really develop the middle plot because there's so much stuff with the Spucklers and singing Sound of Music songs and give them more time. Give us more time with uh, Dr. Swanson. Give us more time with them together. And then if you give more time with them together, when Bart is forced to stop going, like I think, and then, and you could build better to like, Oh, this clock, this ticking clock of, we have five sessions and we have like a clear, a clear separation of like, we started, we even see this. We see Bart immediately to start. He's like, Oh, I've seen a lot of different kinds of therapists and they haven't done anything for me. They just, they give me some crap about stuff. I don't care about. I give them answers and it doesn't lead to anything. And then he's questionable. Then he earns trust over a couple sessions, gets closer and closer to this therapist, and right on the precipice of a breakthrough in the last session, they have to call it and can't go back. They can, you can then bring in, oh, therapy's expensive. We can't afford it. Marge makes some sacrifices with, with Homer, and then Bart gets to go back, has a breakthrough, and ultimately you end on this, Bart has a breakthrough, but the Simpsons literally do not have the mo- amount of money they need to have him continue to go to therapy. They had enough money to get him another session. They do not have the money to routinely send him to therapy. And that could be like the Simpsons are really good. The best Simpsons episodes have like a heartwarming moment at the end. That's undercut by a little bit of cynicism. Mm -hmm. And that's all it is like, Oh, well yeah, therapy is great. And it really helped me. I can't, but we can't afford to keep going. That, and that's it. It doesn't have to be like bigger than that, but they don't really, and guess what? Uh, no jokes about naming Spuckler kids incest. No animal cruelty oh, jokes. Uh, no anti-Semitism. No... Uh, uh, what's What am I missing, Matt? Uh, no... Uh, I mean, just straight up, stop being mean to hillbilly people. <laughs> I mean, just because they're different doesn't mean they're bad. I mean, and it's like, yeah, it's like, hey, don't... Like, you can make fun of Southern stereotypes. Some of my favorite comedies do that. But you have to also treat people like they're humans you, that there's a, there's like that line of, of, of tr- respectfulness and, and using the jokes at the same time to, to kind of outline that you're allowed to do both. And there is, and like the stuff with the Chinese restaurant people, that is the perfect example of it. They use stereotypes, but to illuminate how absurd they are. And you could do the same thing with Cletus but instead, they have kids named Crystal Meth, and you're just like, okay. And then, and no, oh, no jokes about Bart getting hit with hammers. No jokes about, oh, God, no yeah. jokes about Homer thinking that Bart is it. Literally saying to Bart's face, uh, "What does he say? You're a dead end, or you're a lost cause." He says, literally yeah. to to his face. Homer calls Bart a lost cause. Like, guys, who? What is this? Am I supposed to like Homer at all? Why? Like, you don't need that stuff. And there's there's really potential here. Having just like. This is in 2007. It'd be more impactful then. It's still impactful now. There is still stigma about going to therapy. It would work just as well right now. Mm-hmm. 
the Cletus and the Spucklers kids is a whole different episode that I think you could do a, a decent idea with if you really, really, really tried. Well, and you had a point to it rather than just, yeah, hey, isn't aren't these kids funny? It's just nonsense. They're, like, that's all this is. The B-plot is just, it ends up being, like, just nonsense with random stuff thrown in. Like, I feel like they had a, it felt like there was a direction. And then they swerved and went off and you're like, okay, I guess not. If there ever was one, there is not one now. Wheels fell off. There, it was a, it was a, two hundred lap race. It, how, how long has it been since there was an episode where the wheels stayed on until the end? Um, we had a non-broken episode not too long ago. This season, right? That's we had to at least have one. There was one episode that the it uh, wasn't broken. I know we did. I don't remember which one it was, but it was one of them. I'm sure I could look at the list. You say so. It's just hard. To, it's just hard, man. When we get just a row of just episodes that obviously are. Problems. I this know. is close. This one's came pretty close. Yeah. This is the best, better, the better one. I don't want to say. I don't even use the word best one in a while, but it's a better one that we've had in a long in a long time. Even though it's not good. Um. Speaking of people thinking this episode's not good, it's time for our next segment, Matt. It's time for comments from news group. Okay, here we are. Alt dot nerd dot obsessive. Uh, comments from news group is where I. Go to our patrons, ask for their thoughts on an episode. Uh, they watch the episode, write down the reviews. I read them all out on the show. If you subscribe to our Patreon at any level, you can leave your thoughts. If you uh, take the time to watch some of these truly miserable episodes. Thank you, everyone, who, who, who did take that time. From Benjamin, the best thing this episode has going for it is lack of Homer. Truly a blessing. As for the plot, I don't mind the Lisa Tutoring plot. Yearly Smith is probably the best at singing character as well. The Bart plot is weird and underdeveloped. Probably stand on its own with some more thoughts. A big ask. All this leads to the typical middle-aged Simpsons issues with poor endings and not enough material. Amen. Uh, from Tim, I think one of the writers of 2007 was able to look in the future and say, you know, dudes, there's bound to be a podcast that'll rank these episodes. Given we haven't hit the top 100 in three years, let's try to replicate that effort. Nobody will notice. Of course, I'm referring to the president War <laughs> Pearls, where songs are song. That's about the only similarity that Out of Place 2003 episode has with Yoko Chords. To be fair, I like the Bart and Meg Ryan plot. The idea of an adult actually outsmarting Bart does have potential. If they'd kept Homer out of that thread and only had that plot, we'd probably be talking the lower reaches of the top 200. Of course, that doesn't happen. We get idiot Homer and our usual array of stereotypes. We have the Cletus family plot, for which the less said, the better. Balancing everything out and giving a couple of points for Dark Stanley, which really could be a Trails of Our episode, I project three number, um, project number 312. Yeah, Dark Stanley and this stuff was great. I really... I can't emphasize enough. It was. Enough. It could have been... like uh, The latest uh, Trials of Horror we got had, you know five segments more or less but two of them were just little things i feel like that could have been a good one of those little interstitial ones i mean that's effectively what they did with the bart the, yeah with the same animation style uh from derek just hearing that a plot will surround cletus and his family is instantly grown worthy the writers knew to use one note knew to use one note character sparingly in the classic years but now in season 18 will happily make a quasi musical episode featuring them Main plot is really terrible. The subplot is actually notable for its art style music, but its ending is very strange and doesn't work. It's a very season 18 episode, isn't it? Certain flavor to season 17 through 19. I don't really know how to describe it. It doesn't taste good, though. I can tell you that. All in all, this is another one for the dung heap, annoying, stupid, pointless, just recycling the same objectives at this point. Think how I feel, Derek. I've been recording this podcast for... <laughs> there's thousand there's literally like a thousand hours of me talking about the simpsons and most of it's about bad episodes at this point uh from jj the plot stumbles around with no clear direction or through line and then abruptly ends with lisa bringing in brandine why 
because we hit the 20 minute mark and I had to wrap things up somehow. There's barely any development at least this relationship with the Speckler Kids because Krusty steals so much screen time, along with the Skinner and Chalmers song, which I don't know why they included because they have no bearing on anything past the first act. This barely even qualifies as a musical episode, having only three songs and none being particularly good. Throw in several weird and random celebrity cameos, and you've got a very unfocused mess. The B-plot is okay for the most part, with the Dark Stanley sequence being the highlight, but even that ends on a sour note when Bart says Homer hit him with a hammer. Yikes. Yeah, that's... And there seems to be interchangeable... What I See, I maybe it's just I like the Bart plot more, so I call it the A-plot, and it starts the episode. Yeah. I don't know. They're, I, they're, I think they're interchangeable. This is the first episode about the Spucklers, but unfortunately not the last... Spucklers are not real characters. They're a depressing one-note gag, which got old seasons eight seasons ago. I don't think it's possible for the show to make a good episode about Cletus and his family, and I wish they'd stop trying. Overall, bad. All right, man, I want you to buckle up. Lauren's got some uh, some rage she needs to unleash. Ooh, okay. Uh, from Lauren. So do a bunch of writers just sit in a room and half-ass a Simpsons episode? Do they figure, hey, let's anger Simpsons fans today because it's fun? Crystal meth. Children drinking moonshine. Homer saying, Bart, I know you are a lost cause. And my father hit me with a hammer. What? Are these statements supposed to be funny? You stupid, stupid jerks. The scary story animation was interesting and enjoyable, even though it was a ripoff from Charles Horror segment. I saw that Bart's plan to get food was clever, but man, does it go downhill after that. Bart's therapy might have been interesting if it had been developed better, but instead it was rushed and overall crap. Feel this episode is a huge disrespect to the sound of music, and the musical aspect came out of nowhere. Didn't contribute to the episode. It just died after a while. Also ended kind of like, oh, how do we wrap up? Uh, Brandine? Sure. Okay, why not? Stupid, stupid episode. I'm thinking a shock value of a seven, just because it put me in a bad mood with how mediocre it is, and you know what I can't. Next time, put more effort into it, you jerks. Stupid Simpsons writers. <laughs> I mean, we feel you. We feel I, you. I, I, yeah, you're not going to find any more people more sympathetic to the rage the Simpsons episode can cause. Uh, finally, from Charles, I think I messed up before meeting on our Google Doc. Uh-oh. Uh oh. From Charles, all I can really say about this episode is, eh. Cleese is a one-note joke, which is children are merely an extension of, so there's nothing you can really do with them. The episode itself, despite supposedly being a sound of music parody, is just a derivative of eight misbehaving. Eight misbehaving, Matt. That's the name of it. That's what it was. Thank eight, you, Charles. Eight, eight, eight misbehaving. I enjoy Bart's plot line more. I didn't really have a favorite character of the show, but I'm drawn to him due to my dislike of such characters, uh, which will go further into a few episodes down the line. Actually, it makes sense. We now need to see how, just how easy it is to deal with Bart. Unfortunately, in the universe, it's easy to write him off. His reaction to that confirms that doing so is the right decision. The A and B plots actually connect in this point. In this point, They just don't do anything with it. And like with Lisa's, it overall doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Bart becoming attached kind of does, as according to Lisa Sachs, it's the first time he's been treated like a human being for four years. Third is doing so as well, plus Bart's story turning out to be true, shows the writers don't think anything, didn't think beyond the premise itself. Yeah, it just kind of stops, which is the, th- one more step. Uh-huh. It just needed another step. One more step. Like, yes, Bart has realized these things, and so this happens. Then you go, oh, we need one more thing to happen to make this mean something. No? Okay. Uh, but that's it for you, all the, the re- reviews. Thank you guys for writing them out. It's not a it's not a, a trifling thing to do to watch this episode and write a review for it. So I appreciate you. Anyone on any patron on any level can write a review. Uh, I, I often suggest that people take breaks. Uh, don't do too, too many episodes in a row or else you turn into me. And I'm a crazy person. I was say, if, you, if you watch all these episodes, you turn into us. And that's just sad. Yeah, don't do that. That's it's bad news. You're going to turn into a madman. That's what, turn into me. Um, 
I think we can move on, Matt. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for Listener Question of the Week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. Our Listener Question of the Week this week is, what is your favorite documentary? Lots, lots of, lots of great answers in this one. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, a lot of stuff is going to have to go on my list. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, appreciate everyone who answered. Matt, take it away. All right. First up, from Mark. I really enjoy any type of wrestling documentary. I think wrestlers are fantastic storytellers, and it's always cool hearing about the behind-the-scenes stuff. Well, not always. Sometimes it's grim. Uh, correct on both counts, Mark. Uh, I would say here, Matt, uh, I am obviously I am a wrestling fan. If anyone's listened to this podcast long enough knows that there is, for any wrestling fans out there who want some really neat under there's dark side of the rings on tv it's relatively popular but uh there's a channel on youtube called Ken, uh, kenny johnson documentaries um he does lots of mini docs on individual wrestlers sometimes indie wrestlers guys who are not as well known but they're really really interesting stories um he did recently did a story about um matt tremont who's a very famous uh, deathmatch wrestler infamous deathmatch wrestler um and it gives like a lot of insight into that's kind of an aspect of wrestling that isn't is kind of you know in the shadows because it's so bloody, but it's uh, it's really fascinating. I encourage any wrestling fan to go check that. It's Kenny Johnson on YouTube. Alrighty, uh, from Matt, I'm going with a music documentary called "May It Last: A Portrait of the Avett Brothers." The movie sheds light on the making of the 2016 album "True Sadness" as well as the beginning of this 2002 band. Most people haven't heard of them, but if you like a mixture of bluegrass, pop, rock, and honest, heartfelt lyrics, give them a spin. Interesting. Uh, from Andy, Won't You Be My Neighbor, a documentary on everybody's favorite neighbor. Watching it brought up great memories growing up and was wonderfully done. Uh, from Lauren, How to Fix a Drug Scandal. Most forensic scientists had to watch this documentary for our ethics training last year. I enjoyed that they had different perspectives, including prosecutors, defense attorneys, and other forensic chemists to explain the bad science in general and the impact of it on our justice system. I was appalled and angered by what Soja Farak and Annie Dukin did since the area is related to my field. Additionally, both of them should have been caught earlier, and due to their crimes and absolute disregard for their responsibilities, they both served jail time. Good. I appreciate this documentary for bringing these scandals to life in a way that is understood by forensic scientists and the general public. It had a very strong impact on me since it demonstrated what could happen to a forensic scientist if we go against our ethics and we forget our responsibilities to our clients and society as a whole. If I'm remembering correctly, Lauren, uh, that was the one uh, where they just basically said, screw it, and faked a whole bunch of results, which led to a whole bunch of people going to jail. So, fun! Uh, from Alex, Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy. This amazing four-hour documentary goes through all the films, minus the remake, and it was done with such care. They followed up with a six or so hour doc for Jason crystal like memories, but it wasn't as interesting. Most of it boiled down to money problems for the films uh, from Tim. I'll go for Ken Burns documentary on country music. It showed that the genre is in fact as rich as any in the music world belie in the usual stereotypes. My only criticism is that Burns completely ignored Lurley Lumpkin. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, from Derek, I am weirdly obsessed with World War II and could happily sit for hours watching documentaries about any aspect of it. The BBC documentary Auschwitz, The Nazis and the Final Solution, is really good. I find it so fascinating, which is a bit morbid, isn't it? <laughs> yes, Derek. Uh, a few years ago, when my friends and I were in Amsterdam, they were all excited to legally get as high as kites, but 19-year-old Derek was elated about going to the Anne Frank Museum. Am I so out of touch? No, it's the children who are wrong. <laughs> Indeed they are. Indeed they are. Uh, from Benjamin. Uh, the Cove. Frankly, some of the season 18 Simpsons writers should watch that instead of having Bart murder a dolphin. <laughs> oh, very true. Very true. Uh, from Nate. Oh, sorry. At Nathan J. Photos. Oh, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly. 
Koyanis Katsi. It's the least conventional movie I've ever seen, but that's what makes it memorable. Good luck with the pronunciation. Thank you, Nathan. I appreciate the try. Uh, from George, George J, at George J. Phillips, some kind of monster. It's honestly funnier than this is Spinal Tap for all the wrong reasons. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Have you never seen some kind of monster, Matt? I have not. It's the Metallica. It's, it's a Metallica documentary. And oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you didn't like Lars Ulrich before. I mean, I don't like anybody in Metallica, so I'll what? Just that oh, come on! Uh, uh, Rob didn't do anything. He's the new guy. <laughs> he's, he's I mean, one. that's fair. That's fair. I just don't also, care at all about Metallica. Kirk is just a, a very sweet man. Uh, he, it's mostly James and Lars who are. They don't come. <laughs> they come off as some kind of monster. <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right. Uh, from At Your Apocalypse, A Civilization, A Personal View by Kenneth Clark, an old school British documentary gorgeously photographed with no gimmicks or dumbing down. Uh, from At El Columbia 88, Holy Hell is one of my favorite cult documentaries to watch. The Scorsese George Harrison documentary is so well made. Uh, from At Tyler TMC, Louis Thoreau, Gambling in Las Vegas, informative, bittersweet, relatable people, sprinkles of humor. Uh, from Matt Hippie 200, uh, Asif Kapadia's Amy, which tells the very tragic story of singer-songwriter Amy Winehouse. The documentary isn't just about Amy, but about addictions in general. It's thoroughly and beautifully made as one of those documentary films that stick with you long after watching it. Uh, from Matt Mike Zikowski, uh, I really liked 2012 when it came out, but I did recently watch Lula Rich, and it had a very interesting juxtaposition between the owners trying to act like they did nothing wrong and the people who were high in the pyramid dealing with the damage they caused in others' lives. Uh, from at Dominic Peel 1, I don't know if I have a favorite, but I recently watched Boogeyman, the Lee Atwater story, and thought it was incredibly well done. A real peek behind the curtain of modern electoral politics. Uh, from at Bort ATX, Step, a doc following a Baltimore high school step team's road to the state championship at the start of the Black Lives Matter movement. It's inspiring and heartbreaking all at the same time. It should be required viewing for all educators. Uh, from at Mitch Doyle 13, Forgotten Silver is an early film by Peter Jackson documenting the works of an almost forgotten early pioneer of cinema. Don't Google it. Don't spoil it. Just watch it. The whole thing is on YouTube. Robbie, what is your response? Uh, it's really hard. Uh, it really is. Documentaries, then there's so many good ones that it's hard to compare one to the next one. Yeah, there's a lot of di- like they're very different from each other, obviously, because they can cover s- such a wide range of things. I'm going to go with one. The last one that really stuck with me and I still think about it. It's called uh, Leap of Faith. Uh, it's on Shutter, the streaming service, the horror and f- fantasy genre, whatever streaming service, uh, which is uh, I I suggest if you're a fan of the genres, it's a really good uh, service. But they do a lot of really good, including the uh, aforementioned Freddy Krueger and Jason uh, documentaries are also on Shutter. Uh, Leap of Faith is a documentary about William Friedkin, who is the director, uh, and uh, William Friedkin, and and by extension, The Exorcist. It is. Uh, that is, it's been, it's marketed as like, oh, it's a documentary about the making of The Exorcist, which that's really, that's like interesting to me. Like just how to, like, I'm interested in how they made that movie and it was how important it is, blah, 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 blah. It's more just about this guy talking about film and filmmaking and art in general, um, which is the stuff that actually impacts me the most. Not really. The extra stuff is very interesting because Exorcist is a really interesting film. And when it was made, it's very impactful and very important. Uh, kind of in the scope of, of film in general and horror film in general. But I'm more interested in that stuff. And the reason I recommend the documentary is because of how William Freakin, how thoughtful he is. I mean, he's, he's a very famous director. Uh, he's made a lot of great film uh, back in the day. But 
the way he talks about art and the way he talks about making movies um, is really kind of inspirational and very thoughtful. And that's why I recommend it. It's I subscribed to Shutter just to watch it. It was that it's that good. Wow. Um, it's it's worth it's worth it. Uh, what is your answer, Matt? So my favorite documentaries uh, are ones that generally tend to explain something in very easily explainable terms of a very complex topic. Um, technically, uh, the big short is not a documentary because it's got actors and everything in it and they're doing recreations the entire time. But it does a fantastic job of laying out the very beginning of the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, there's another one that I just got a hold of, uh, Inside Job, that basically explains how uh, how things got as bad as they did and why they collapsed the way they did. Uh, and if you ever had any questions about what happened in 2008 and why it takes so long to recover from that, uh, go ahead and take a look at that. It is fascinating to watch what happened behind the scenes. In, oh, not Inside Man. That's the Spike Lee documentary about Clive Owen robbing a bank. You are correct. <laughs> the documentary, yes. <laughs> That's, that was a joke. Um, next week's question, what's your favorite medical thriller? That's a little bit of a stretch from uh, seeing a therapist, but I almost said, what's your favorite movie with, with therapy in it? But that's, I don't think that's well, that's not very well defined. No one's going to know what the <laughs> hell to answer for that. So favorite medical thriller. Um, and you're allowed to stretch the constraints of what that means. Obviously, you like every movie, every question's like that anyway. I will post this on all our social media, um, Twitter. We're at Simpsons Show Pod. You can email us at Simpsons Show Pod at gmail.com, and I post it on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash The Simpson Show. Uh, publicly posted there, so you don't have to support us to see it or answer it there. Um, we can move on, that to our next segment. It's time for the new Google Survey Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is where Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions, one easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stump the other. Matt has like a four million point lead on me, I think, so far in the season. is like 10 million points above me. No, it's not that bad. Uh, let me see. It's nine points, Matt. You're up nine points on me, which is, might as well be a million. I can't. There's like it's my it's so big it's such a big number that I I can't imagine it. <laughs> All right, man, you ready for an easy question? I am ready, sir. In Bart gets an elephant. Bart names his elephant what? Uh, he names it Stampy. That is correct. All right, your question uh, are today are all about Cletus. Great. Uh, who does Cletus pull a shotgun on at the end of the Joy of Sect? Uh, isn't it the cult leader? You're right, the leader. Oh, the leader? I, I was like, did they They never got a name for the leader, did they? They did not, know. No, he's just the leader. The leader is good. The leader is great. Uh, your medium question, Bart. <laughs> medium question, Bart. Oh, my mind's rotting away. Your medium question, Matt. In Bart Gets an Elephant, uh, let's see. Bart Gets an Elephant features the first appearance of what character? Oh, jeez. Uh, uh... Not uh, the 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 ivory dealer and the conservationist. Do not yeah, count. yeah, yeah. Uh, I have no idea. Arnie Pie in the Sky. There's a reason I asked you this question today, Matt. It is Cletus. Oh, is it really? Oh, mm-hmm. well, that makes sense. Huh. All right. Your medium question: What is the name of Cletus's smell hound? <laughs> See, that's a funny calling it a smell hound. That's mm-hmm. funny. That is a smart way to use like southern stereotypes to make a joke right it's like and it doesn't make fun of cletus it's just a different way of talking he calls it a smell hound um 
I don't know the answer to this though. Uh, I can guess. Um, Sitgo. It is Geech. Geech. That's a good name for a dog. Mm-hmm. A little good name. That's a good name for Geech. All right, Matt. Your hard question. What is the headline of the Springfield Chopper after Bart wins Stampy? Uh, I don't remember. I do remember Kent Brockman asking, isn't that what we're all asking? Where's my elephant? But I have no idea what the Springfield Shopper headline is. It is KBBL cheats straight A student. (laughs) (laughs) Fair, fair. All right, your hard question. According to Cletus, nothing busts a turtle like what? Nothing busts a turtle like? Mm -hmm. Like a claw hammer. Like Leon Uris, he's at the library using a book to smash turtles. Oh, right. From Lisa's wedding. I yes, I believe it's Lisa's wedding. I don't. I was. That's, that is the most obscure. <laughs> who is it? Leon Uris. I don't even I, know. I had to Google it because I have no idea who that is. I don't. Who is Lee? I'm sure he's an author of some part. Leon. He, he is an author and apparently has a lot of long. Uris. Uris. U-R-I-S, Uris. Uh, U-R-I-S, Leon Uris. Oh, he wrote historical fiction. That's why I've never heard of him. <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah. Historical. Sorry. <laughs> Not going to read that. Um, uh, well, that didn't help me today, Matt. What, what, like, what I thought, what, mm-hmm. I believe I said, even in our last episode, like, lower your expectations. This, is, this doesn't feel like you lowering your expectations. I'm sorry, Robbie. It's just the way it is. What do you mean, just the way it is? You decide the questions. You decide the way it is. I know, and I thought these were easy questions, but apparently I was well, wrong. Well, I'm a big dummy, man. Again, okay. Well, if this is you lowering <laughs> your expectations, lower them. Like, go three steps lower next time. Like, imagine, okay, if you were like a five year old kid and you wanted to ask him Simpsons trivia, that's what you're looking for. That's what. Imagine if I was right. five years Fine. old and you're asking me questions. That's yeah. what. I, that's what I need. Okay, Matt's gonna hands the lead, and I don't, I don't, I don't see any. Well, I don't see a way out of this, frankly. Just to, to wait for the, what, what is this? What, what is this rainbow colors like? For like the skittle colors we got on our Google Notes, Matt. What, like what is? I uh, just uh, split things up. I'm 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 a fan of stark black and white in my text documents. Thank you very much. I'm well aware of your your hatred of color. <laughs> Why you make my text green? What's wrong with you? It's not readable. A little diversity never hurt anyone, Robbie. Don't. I don't want to hear this. All right. Okay. There's a big difference. Green on light is not attractive. It's very hard to read. I have nah. bad eyesight. I'm legally blind, Matt. Okay. You got to cut me a break. Nah. What do you mean, nah? I've had anyway, glasses. I've anyway. Had, I've had glasses. Moving on. I've had glasses. It's third grade. All right. Uh, yeah. Moving on, Matt. Slowing us down with all your chitter chatter. We can, <laughs> we can move on. To our final segment, the segment we end every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of the show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. Matt is upset at me because this episode's going on for too long, and he's got to go. I don't know, like spend time with his wife or something. I gotta go pick up dinner. Ah, boring. Who needs food? Um, this episode's bad, but not. As bad as it could be. I think that's, that's true. A, it's not I, like horribly offensive. It's not even boring because there are good parts. So, I mean, the, it, it goes 
I would say somewhere in the 200s, maybe the upper or not upper, but lower 200, the closer to the top of the 200s, whatever you want to call it. Yes. I mean, lower on the list because it's we're ranked, you know, going up is bad. Going Being right. lower is good. Um, yeah, I think it's that's it's one of those like, oh, yeah, it's there's parts that are entertaining. Um, I'm honestly looking in the 280s for this. That sounds about right. 280 is Pygmalion, and I feel like this is around that quality. I mean, 286 is Tales from the Public Domain, and I'm... Oh, Skinner's Sense of Snow. Dear God. I, there's uh, there's entertaining parts to Skinner's Sense of Snow. Um, there are. There and to be are. fair, Skinner's Sense of Snow is getting to the point where it's 100 from the bottom. So <laughs> that's where we're at, where there are literally almost 100 worse episodes, man. Um, there's girls just want to have some Mr. Spritz. I think this is better than I. I that's where I'm. I'm like I'm frankly. I'm frankly. I'm looking at that Skinner Sense of Snow. That's where I'm looking. Like I think it's better than Millhouse doesn't live here anymore, which is right directly below it. Yeah. Um. I. I, I think is it, it. Is it better than Skinner's Sense of Snow? I would say yes. I would rather watch this again than watch Skinner's Sense of Snow. You don't want to see the hamster chew through some Balzac. I do not. Okay. Uh, there's the great money caper. Ooh, as weird as it is, that one felt somewhat whimsical to me. So I would say <laughs> between Skinner's sense of snow and the great money caper, even though I don't really like Simpsons tall tales. You think this is worse than great money caper? Yes, but ever so barely just because of all the Cletus and the kids stuff. I think this is better than the great money caper. All right, fine. I don't care that much. <laughs> I think it's better than Great Money Caper, but not as good as Simpsons Tall Tales. I think Simpsons Tall Tales is more entertainment value overall. Um, and the episodes above it basically have, like, real... They have plot resolution. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. this is, like, as, like that's not, a, like, a lot, but it's something, um, which is the thing that... I don't know. That's fair. Great Money Caper has, like, really... That's the ending. Great Money Caper and this episode are very similar in that their endings falter terribly. Um We'd probably rank Grey Money Caper lower if we watched it right now, but... Probably. It's fine. Uh, I'm glad I could argue my way it above one slot higher, Matt, because obviously, you know, you're a tough nut it's to very crack. important, yeah. You're, you're really upset about me trying to get it up one spot. You clearly, deeply uh, have deep feelings about that. Oh, it's huge feelings. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that is... A new number 283 on our list is Yoko Chords. Right below Simpsons Tall Tales, right above The Great Money Caper. Um, number one on our list is still Homer's Enemy. Last place is still Codependence Day. And it's a, that's a, that's going to be a long time. I don't know if uh, Codependence Day might never be topped as the worst. It's just so bad. Um, Yoko Chords. Yep. One more question to ask, though, Matt. One more thing to do before we call it a day. And that's quite, that question is, do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? I think we keep it. Really? Because I'm pretty sure at the beginning you said... No, no, no. I didn't say that we fired this episode of the cannon. I said that a lot of these episodes that we watch, I immediately know we're going to fire out of the cannon. Oh, gotcha. I don't think this episode... I didn't have the the thought that I immediately fired out of the cannon. See, I was was gearing up for a fight, but I agree. I feel like the Bart stuff alone is good enough to keep. Yes. I, I think there's enough worthwhile stuff in here. 
the the dark stanley stuff is interesting at least visually you know and like it tells like there again that inciting incident like hey it builds it has a support and then it has a little a, a satisfying conclusion with bart hatching his plan and eating launching once and that builds into a like what would be a satisfying plot if it built it but they don't i don't know why they can't use that same effort that they give to honestly like clearly the it, that inciting incident stuff took time it took effort it has its solid bill from beginning to end in that five minute chunk. Why can't you apply that same principle to the the other plots? I don't understand it really. Honestly, it's so it feels like they were done by different people. They, they broke off into two little splinter groups. One did the Bart plot. One did the Lisa plot. And they said, all right, throw them together. Splinter. Chop them up where you want. Splinter groups are talking like they're terrorist organizations, man. I'm talking breakout groups, you know, when you're in a group and they're like, all right, go I, I to know. your little breakout room. I, I understand. I understand what you mean. But when people say splinter groups, it's usually referring to like, oh, yeah, this cult, yeah, yeah. It, this cult broke up into three splinter groups. I mean, I, uh, it's not too far of stretch with the Simpsons in season 18. It feels like exactly. It feels like I'm watching uh, the, the, the ramblings of a cult leader when I watch Simpsons episodes. <laughs> the ramblings of a cult leader. I, yeah. So, okay. Here. Hey, this is hey, this is something, all right? Yoko Cords does not get fired out of the cannon. Stays. That's good. That's something. You know, it's better than nothing. Um, so that that's a yes. No firing the cannon today. We move up to the top of the list, work our way down, answering the same question. We are number 73 on the list, which is brother from another series. Uh, Cecil obviously keep i mean why are you even bothering with my response matt i know as much as you don't want to be a part of anything in your life except your own head uh (laughs) this you are you're you are half the people on this podcast well then let's make it easy yes 100 percent, yes yeah i agree it's part of the canon um cecil is great they take what could be a kind of a, a dumb idea of like bringing in the you know an uh uh, Niles <laughs> from a different show and including him as uh, Bob's brother. And it works quite frankly. And it does a nice subversion yeah. of Bob being hero for once, which again, which they mm-hmm. right, right away, almost immediately undo, which like, I don't know well, why. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, I don't they, I, they, they failed Bob over there multiple times now. That's fine. That's fine. 73, Brother from another series. Yes, it's part of the game. Of course it is. It's going to be quite a while, I think, before we get to an episode that isn't. Um, we probably won't. I don't know. Most of these are yeses. Very, there's very, like, there's, I don't know. The yeses and the noes are interspersed, despite how good or bad they are, um, which is an interesting idea. Some episodes are better, but they're still they're part of the canon or not. I think sometimes we just want to punish the Simpsons. <laughs> um, yes. Um, you can find this list at our website. It's the simpsonshow.com. It has links to all the things uh, that we do, all the things we have, like our Twitter, our RSS feed, a link to our Patreon. Again, if you want to help support the show, we'd love you to do that. Um, our next upset map is Romeo Old and Juliet. Oh, boy. Interesting. Uh, this guest stars Judge Constance Harm. Oh, no. I guess we'll see. Um, the A moves into the family, back in with the family. And fall in, falls in love with Selma. That's this episode. Oh boy! No, okay. no. Wait, I. This is that's a joke plot, Matt. Uh-huh. Why, why would they? You, you would hope. This is the joke they made in Gump Roast. Why? Why is this? It is. Ha- 
<laughs> it's okay, Robbie. We'll get through. We'll get through it. That's next time. Next time on the show, you guys can watch along with us if you really want to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you hate really, yourself that much. I don't. Yeah, I, like, I don't know if you really want to at this point. Uh, that'll do it for us today. Before we go, I'm Robbie Dorman. I'm on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. My website is RobbieDorman.com. You heard a uh, an ad for my next book. Uh, what dwells beneath the waves is is on, available pre order. Go pre order it. What are you waiting for? It's on Amazon. There's links in the show notes. Links on Amazon. Links on my website. Uh, what dwells beneath the waves is Carl Heisen meets H.P. Lovecraft about stopping a Florida man cultist in the Florida Keys with a hurricane approaching. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, you should go buy it right now. Pre order it. Pre orders help me out. I'd love for you to do that. Um, you should. Matt does not participate. I'm trying to, I was trying to find vocabulary words. Matt does not participate uh-huh. in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that's true. Uh, like Robbie has uh, intimated to you several times in our discussion about poop in our bonus episode this week, I spend all of my time cleaning up said poop involving kittens. If you'd like to see the most adorable kittens you'll ever see in your entire life, uh, check out Kitten Turns, K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S. Uh, I am the behind the scenes uh, of that particular account. I, I do all the real work, not playing with fun kittens. Um, but uh, yeah, check it out. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And keep watching The Simpsons. Shh.